You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Kirk McKenzie. The reading today comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times that what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. That is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Understand with the hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to the parable of the sower's means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls falls away. The one who received the seed then fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfaithful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Hear the word of the Lord. 
Well, today we start a new teaching series focused on Matthew chapter 13 and the stories that Jesus tells in that chapter. We're calling it the kingdom of heaven because all these stories are about the kingdom of heaven. Now, in today's story, we've got a farmer. And Jesus tells us that the farmer represents God. We've also got the farmer scattering some seed. And Jesus tells us that the seed represents the message of the kingdom of God. And then we've got uh, some soil uh, and different types of soil, and that, that soil represents people. We've got four different types of soil. Now, you may be familiar with this type of teaching or this type of story, you know, where you've got different types of things and you start with the worst thing and the storyteller works their way through to the best thing, the really good thing. And this is the case with the soil. You start with soil that's so bad, it, it can't grow anything. It's just a dry path. And then we have a couple of other versions which are better, but still not great. And then eventually we finish with the fourth soil, which is really good and is great for growing all sorts of stuff. And we know as we hear this story, and I'm sure the crowd who heard it 2000 years ago would be the same, we know that that's the good stuff. We know the fourth soil is the best. Uh, there's probably kinder kids watching today, and you know that the fourth soil, that's the good stuff. And even if we don't understand the deeper meaning of the story, which Jesus needed to explain to his disciples later, we still know that the fourth soil is the best soil. And if you're gonna pick one of the four, you're gonna pick that one. Now this type of story is often referred to as a parable. Jesus taught in parables a lot. So well, what is a parable? Well, it's a short fictional story that teaches us something that's true. Okay, so it's fictional as in it's not true, as in these stories, the parables usually didn't happen, you know, they're not, not a true story in that sense, but they teach us something that's true about life. Uh, let me give you an example not from the Bible. Uh, a story that a lot of people would know is the boy who cried wolf. Certainly as I was growing up, this is something that was told to us over and over again. Let me do give you a very, very quick recap. There's a boy and his job is to look after some sheep in a paddock. And one day he decides to play a prank on the people in the village. And so he goes into the village and he cries out, wolf, wolf, there's a wolf attacking the sheep. And all the people come running into uh, to the paddock to help scare away the wolf. But of course he was lying. He's playing a prank. There's no wolf. And so they all go back to the village. Later, he does it again, runs into the village. Wolf, wolf, there's a wolf attacking the sheep. They all come helping to help again. And of course he was lying, there's no wolf there. And so they all go back to the village. Later, there is a real wolf actually attacking the sheep. He runs into the village, he cries out, wolf, wolf, there's a wolf attacking the sheep. And no one comes. Why? Because they don't believe him because he's lied to them twice already. Now, of course, the teaching of this parable, it teaches us something, is, is quite clear. If you lie a lot, people aren't going to trust what you say. And it's got kind of a moral action for us at the end, which is also pretty clear. And that is that it's good to tell the truth and it's bad to tell lies. And as a general philosophy on life, that's true, isn't it? So, 
some of Jesus' parables, as we look at, you know, because he told a lot of them, have that kind of moral action at the end of them. We understand the meaning of the parable, and there's something that we can go and do to, to act on that teaching. But some of them aren't like that. Some of them don't have that natural moral action at the end. And this parable that we're looking at today is one of those. And so that seems to explain why Jesus' disciples come to him in verse 10 and ask this question. Why do you speak to the people in parables? And then Jesus gives this really interesting reply in verse 11. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. Uh, so he's probably talking to his 12 disciples then. They're the ones who travel around with him, learning from him day by day. But not to them. We'll talk about who them is in a minute. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Now, if I was to summarize Jesus' answer here, it would be like this. I teach in parables so that some people won't understand what I'm teaching. Now, what kind of a teacher is Jesus here? I mean, really, some of you watching will be teachers. Maybe you're a kinder teacher or a school teacher or tertiary teacher. A lot of people will have teaching as part of your role in life in one way or another. And I'm going to assume that when you're teaching people, you aim for the people that you're teaching to understand what you're teaching them. And yet Jesus here is saying, his intention is that some people will not understand what he's teaching. What's going on? And he doubles down on this. He then goes on to quote the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament, specifically from chapter 6. Now, if we go and we look at the context of what Isaiah was saying there, what was going on in the history of God's people, we can see that God's people at that point had really gone off the rails. They were being extremely disobedient to God. They weren't following his ways. And God actually said at that time that he was letting that happen. He was allowing his people to experience the full consequences of their actions. He wasn't intervening. He said, eventually I'm going to intervene, but for a time you're going to experience what life is like when you completely reject my ways. So that's the context of what Isaiah said. And Jesus quotes or references Isaiah here in uh, this answer to the disciples' question, why do you uh, teach in parables? So in verse 14, he says, In them, again, he's talking about this them, is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, that's an interesting line, and turn, and I would heal them. 
Now, interestingly here, the cause of the deafness and the blindness of the people is that they have hard, calloused hearts. Now, our daughter Kira uh, is seven and she's really loving the playground at the moment and really loving the monkey bars. She's actually very good at the monkey bars. And part of the reason for that is that she's worked up some incredible calluses on her hands. We've actually got a picture of those right now. And you can see these brown uh, marks all over her hands give you a real sense of just how, uh, you know, tough Kira's hands are at the moment. And so uh, she can do incredible things on the monkey bars, things that I would have no hope of doing because of how tough and calloused her hands are. When it comes to monkey bars, tough, hard, calloused hands are good. But when it comes to hearts, when it comes to relationships, you want the exact opposite. We want soft hearts. Because if we're gonna be open to relationship with each other, if we're gonna go deep in our relationship with God, we need soft hearts. We need, we need to be, that's what we need if we're gonna be able to connect relationally. And so what Jesus is saying is, those with hard hearts won't be able to understand the parables that he's teaching. So when we're wondering, who's this them he's referencing in verse 11 and in verse 14? Well, it's almost certainly a reference to hard-hearted people. Now this makes sense of what he's been saying, uh, the people he's been meeting in the previous chapter. So in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus has been receiving a fair bit of criticism and there's been quite a few cynical people uh, approaching Jesus. Even though Jesus has been doing incredible things, he's been healing people, he's been setting people free from the oppression of evil spirits. Uh, he's just been doing all this wonderful stuff and bringing freedom and healing to people's lives. People have still been criticizing him and being really cynical about it. So I think it's fair to say that people are doing that, pretty hard-hearted type of people. Uh, and so Jesus hasn't been particularly impressed with that sort of reaction. So as we come back to the story of the farmer and the seed and the four types of soil, we know that the, the four soils represent four different types of people. Even more than that, it's probably going to be helpful for, to think of, for us to think about it as four different types of heart in people. Now, as we do that, it's worth noting the way we use our English language in modern ways, and particularly the word heart. Um, often these days when we talk about our hearts, we will usually limit it just to emotions and feelings. Now that's not wrong to think about emotions and feelings to do with the heart. Absolutely, let's continue to do that. But it's worth noting that the biblical writers have a bigger view of heart than just emotions and feelings. Uh, for example, in verse 15, uh, the, we see that the biblical writers say that we can understand with our hearts. So our hearts include thinking. And when we have a really full understanding of the heart in the Bible, it's really the source of who we are. Uh, all our desires for life flow from our heart. So it's not just our moment to moment feelings, although it does include that, but it's our desires for life, it's our deepest um, thoughts, 
uh, and it's really all the things that make up who we are. So this is worth bearing in mind as we go into this next section of the talk. We can assume that the crowd that was listening to this story that Jesus told includes the four types of people that Jesus is talking about. Now, if he really wanted to convince them all to, uh, that, that God's kingdom was real, what he could have done was just an incredible miracle. Just, and, and he's perfectly capable of this. You know, he is God, right? He, he, and uh, he, he could have just done something amazing that would have caused people to go, whoa, this is incredible. Uh, we love you, Jesus, uh, and made him the most famous person in all the world uh, on the spot. But he didn't do that. Instead, he told this confusing parable. And so instead of an instant miracle that got everyone on board, he goes for this much slower style of teaching. A parable requires us to think and reflect and discuss it with each other. What, what did you think he was on about there? What do you reckon the, the seed represents? And what do you think he, you know, he meant by those different types of soil? It's like a, you know, we have life groups to discuss these types of things uh, during the week at St. John's. The parable encourages us to go on a longer term journey with Jesus rather than get a quick fix. It shows us that Jesus desires more than just uh, a, a quick response to him, but he desires relationship, an ongoing relationship with him that is a journey and that we work out over time. And the thing is, if we've got a hard heart towards relationship, uh, particularly our, our relationship with God, we're just not going to bother working out what a parable means. Going to hear the parable, go, ah, oh, it's a bit confusing, can't be bothered, and we're going to move on. Someone with a soft heart is more likely going to grapple with it. So a parable like this that doesn't have that obvious, you know, quick meaning and, and, and an obvious action at the end, gets us to reflect on our own hearts. Do we have a soft heart ready to receive God's kingdom? Or do we have a hard heart that is perhaps not ready to receive the message of God's kingdom well? One of my favorite uh, novels is The Martian, uh, which started as a book, has became a movie, quite a good movie actually. Uh, and it's this hypothetical future situation where humans have traveled to Mars and one astronaut gets stranded on Mars for an entire year and has to work out how to survive. And the big challenge of surviving on Mars is food. Uh, the astronaut doesn't have enough rations to survive the whole year and so has to work out how to grow food on a planet where nothing grows. And so of course a big challenge is how do you get this soil that doesn't grow anything to become good soil. And so part of the story is this astronaut working out how to fertilize the soil and how to get it to a point where they can grow potatoes. And it got me thinking uh, about this parable, and this is like an extra thinking point beyond Jesus' explanation of the story. And it's like, well, can we 
transform our own soil? You know, can we soften our own hearts? If we were honest with ourselves and we're like, I think I'm more of a, a category one, two or three person. You know, I, I, my, my heart is a bit hard uh, in one way or another. Can I soften my heart? Can I do something to soften my heart to be more open to the message of God's kingdom? Uh, is there things I can do to till the soil? Yeah, if you like, if you want to, you know, stretch the illustration. Now, this is a conversation I've had plenty of times in in life group situations when we've discussed this passage, and I've heard different you know approaches to it over the years. There's like a fatalist approach, which says, you know what? Now, once you're in a category, that's it. You're in that category for life. Some people are the rocky ground. They've got all these obstacles to them. Uh, you know, having faith in Jesus, and that's it. They're just stuck there. They're always going to have those obstacles, and they'll never be good soil. They'll never have a soft heart. Uh, and that's just how it is. And you're stuck. You're stuck that way forever. That's how it is. Uh, I, personally, I don't like. I don't really like that fatalist approach. Uh, you know, and I don't think certainly Jesus' explanation of the story locks us into that approach. I've also heard a works-based approach, which is like kind of the, the exact opposite, which is, hey, if we do have find ourselves in one of those first three categories, we need to do everything we can to get out of that category and to get into category four soil. So if you think you've got rocks in your life, obstacles to you, um, you know, receiving the message of God's kingdom, then you need to get those rocks out of there. Do everything you can. If you've got weeds that are choking you and worries that are there, you need to pull those weeds out. And you need to do everything you can until your heart is as soft as possible, until your soil is as fertile as possible, ready to receive God's message. And so that puts a lot of pressure on us to make sure we are as ready as possible. Now, this is an extra thinking point, right? Because Jesus doesn't actually address this point in his explanation. So I'm not going to tell us the answers to these questions because I think the idea is we think about them and we wrestle with them. We talk about it with each other and we pray about it. We talk to God about it. So I won't give like lots of detailed answer to this question, but l l let me get us started with a, a few thoughts from my own life. Here's, here's my observations about myself, and then you can sort of chat with each other about your own observations. I guess my own observation is, I, I get the sense that I can shape my own heart a little bit, I guess with my own willpower, like with my own attitude. Now, if I'm thinking about, I'm gonna enter a situation with another person or some other people, I think my attitude towards that situation towards those people uh, can shape whether I'm going to have a hard heart towards them or a soft heart. You know, I think I can use my willpower to shape how my heart is going to be towards those people. I think that's true. But on the other hand, I also aware that I'm, I'm weak and that I can't just always think myself into changing my heart, you know, like my, my willpower isn't that strong. So for example, I would say I genuinely desire to be a patient and forgiving person. I don't think, I, don't, I think I'm being honest there. I don't think I'm lying. Like, I think I genuinely want to live my life that way. That's how I want to be as a person. But I've got to be honest with you. That's not how I always am. I am 
sometimes impatient, and I don't always want to forgive. Sometimes I want people to pay. <laughs> um, and so, and that's what my heart desires. You know, I just want things done quickly, and I, I want people to pay for what they've done. I don't want to forgive. And I can't just find, I don't just find that I can just think myself into changing my heart. Like there's a clash within me. Uh, and, and sometimes I find that my weakness means I can't just change my heart quick. Yeah, certainly not like that. And so for me, I find that if I'm going to live the majority of my life as like a, a category four soil, you know, good soil, someone who's open to the message of God's kingdom and is ready to, uh, you know, grow in my relationship with God. I can only do that with God's help. If it's just up to me, I'm not going to be able to do it. I, I, I just need his help. I mean, yes, there are things that I can do that will help me be in that category and there are things that I can avoid doing that will help me be in that category too. Jesus actually specifically lists one thing that we can avoid doing in verse 22 and that is to desire wealth. Um, so we know that, like we can know that if we don't obsess over money and the things that money buys then that's going to help us. He specifically lists that in the passage. So we know that there are things that we can do to help us be there but I just know that ultimately I'm not strong enough to just be a soft-hearted person all the time without God's help. That's my experience. I think this also makes sense of some of the other teaching that Jesus gives us, so that even some of the other plant images that he gives us. So for example in John chapter 15 he gives us this image of a vine uh, and he says that he is the vine and that we are the branches and, and I like this idea it makes sense of my experience in the sense that I'm I'm not the you know, I'm not the strong part of the plant and then you know Jesus is like an addition coming you know, to my life but that Jesus is the strongest part of the plant and then I grow out from him I'm sustained by him and that certainly makes sense of my experience and it also makes sense of, of why Jesus came at, at all. You know, in Jesus' death, he carries our weaknesses for us and kills them on the cross. And in his resurrection, he's strong for us and achieves victory for us in a way that we can't. And so Jesus, in his life and in his death and his, in his resurrection, he achieves for us things that we are simply not strong enough to achieve on our own. And so when we put our trust in him, uh, we receive the blessings of those achievements given to us freely because of the kindness and the goodness of God. Anyway, there's some, some extra thoughts and reflections to get us thinking and grappling with this this parable that Jesus told that encourages us to go deeper and to reflect on our own hearts and I encourage you to be reflecting on your own heart today. As I finish, what I'd like to do is to pray for us. And I'd like to pray through the four categories of soil that Jesus tells in the story. 
or gives us in the story. Because what I'm realizing is, people watching today, you might have resonated with one of those particular images more than the others. You might have gone, yeah, I feel like my heart sort of, you know, connects maybe with the, the, the rocky ground or, you know, I do feel like I'm, I'm being a bit choked by weeds at the moment. So whatever the case, I just want to pray. And obviously the category four soil, the fertile soil that's really ready for growth, that's, if God's good and God's real, uh, that's where we all want to be. But the reality is we don't always feel like we're there. So I want to pray for, for us, no matter where we are uh, in our relationship with God at the moment. And just a short prayer in each category to finish. So let's pray. Well, Lord, first I want to pray for people who feel like perhaps they are, uh, you know, that dry path where any sense of faith that they have might feel just quickly taken away from them, you know, short-lived, and it's just hard to believe. Um, for these people, Lord, I, I really want to pray that you could help them to believe. As simple as that. And, and that might be different for, for each person. Lord, you know, um, they've got different circumstances, uh, different things going on in their life. But I pray that you would give them a, a real glimpse, a, a real sense, uh, a real experience that you are good and that you are real and that you love them and that you are with them. that you would give them what they need to have faith and to persevere and to move forward in a relationship with you. I also want to pray for people who perhaps resonated with this sense that uh, they've, they're on rocky ground. And, you know, they've, they've, they've heard about you and they've, they've believed in you, but, but now they're, they're feeling that they're in a time of trouble. Perhaps they're even experiencing... Um, you know, attacks for following you and, and they're finding that very difficult. Could you please provide these people with courage and strength? When criticism comes for belief, believing in you, could you give them a great sense of peace and a great sense of your strength? Give them what they need to persevere. And could you help them to grow stronger and deeper in their faith so that when trouble does come, when those challenges hit hard, that they won't be shaken from their foundation in you. And I also just ask that you would remove some of the troubles in their life, that you would help them with the circumstances that they're facing. I pray for people who are feeling uh, you know, just choked by uh, the, the circumstances in their life. Uh, by the worries of life. Um, you know, sometimes, Lord, we inflict this on ourselves because we obsess over things too much. Uh, but sometimes worries are also um, given to us by other people. Uh, whatever the case, Lord, uh, I pray that you would set us free from uh, these worries. Uh, if they are self-inflicted, I pray that, you know, and we're just getting distracted by things, that, that uh, are just not worth our time? Could you please redirect people's attention in better places? And for these worries that are given to us by others, uh, could you please 
um, yeah, help people to not take on burdens that are not themselves, uh, that are not their own. Uh, continue to love people, be, be a help, but to really not take on things that we don't need to. Uh, and instead, trust you with the burdens and the worries of life. You've promised to do this. You haven't promised to um, protect us from the worries, uh, you know, from, from trouble or, or challenge, but you have promised to be with there, with, a, with us through times of trouble. And you've promised to um, carry our burdens and, and make them light as well. So, yeah, particularly for these people, uh, we pray that you would lighten the burdens and free them from these things that bring so much worry. And Lord, for people who feel like they're in category four, that their faith is strong, uh, that their foundation is growing deep, you know, the roots are growing deep, and they're experiencing a, a point of great growth in their faith, we just want to thank you and celebrate that. It's really awesome. And I pray that that will continue and that this will be a long and sustained period of growth in their faith and invite you to help them to share it with others, be a great blessing to others. Um, and yeah, obviously we pray for all of us that we could have long periods of experiencing this sort of uh, growth in our faith. Uh, and it's the, the place that we would all like to be and ask that you'd help us all to reach this place uh, of growth and, and just enjoying uh, the blessing that we can experience in our own life and share with others. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.